You're listening to the Cyberwire Network, powered by N2K. The IT world used to be simpler. You only had to secure and manage environments that you controlled. Then came new technologies and new ways to work. Now, employees, apps, and networks are everywhere. This means poor visibility, security gaps, and added risk. That's why Cloudflare created the first-ever connectivity cloud. Visit cloudflare.com to protect your business everywhere you do business. More utility hacking, this time in Israel. Al-Qaeda takes a sorry information operations page from the rival ISIS playbook. At least two cyber reconnaissance campaigns are reported in progress. Shaky Wi-Fi security affects info sharing and IoT products. Business email compromise hits a Belgian bank. And threat intelligence providers talk about what can be learned from watching the dark web. France seeks legal reach into data held in foreign servers. China's PLA goes Sun Tzu on cyber deterrence. And legislators in New York and California display an urge to weaken encryption. I'm Dave Fittner in Baltimore with your CyberWire summary for Wednesday, January 27, 2016. Israeli officials said yesterday that the country's electrical grid came under cyber attack this week. Energy Minister Steinitz called the attack severe, but said it was being successfully mitigated. Details are scarce, but it appears computers in the utilities' networks were infected with malware, and that response teams isolated the infected machines to prevent the malware's spread. Electrical power seems not to have been disrupted, but efforts at defense and mitigation are continuing. There's been no public attribution of this attempt on the Israeli grid, but the incident is likely to increase security worries at utilities worldwide, especially since it follows closely on the heels of the attack on power distribution in Ukraine. Utilities in Western Europe have already identified cybersecurity as their top investment priority for 2016. From North Africa, Al-Qaeda in the Islamic Maghreb releases a video of a Swiss nun kidnapped in Mali to warn unbelievers to stay clear of Islamic territory. In this, Al-Qaeda is taking a page from rival ISIS's information operations playbook, demonstrations of resolution against the infidel as a way of displaying zeal, power, and inspiration. Palo Alto Networks describes a new campaign by the Chinese ATP group Kodoso, sometimes spelled with zeros substituted for the letter O, and also known as the Sunshop Group. Best known for compromising a portion of Forbes's website, Kodoso appears engaged in espionage against targets in the telecommunications, tech, legal services, education, and manufacturing sectors. Kodoso is still using spear phishing and watering holes to gain access, but this time it appears to be going after servers as opposed to endpoints. Symantec reports seeing a different campaign in the wild. This one, said to have infected some 3,500 servers worldwide, involves an injection code attack and appears to represent reconnaissance and possibly battle space preparations for some future, more damaging attack. The attackers appear to be collecting, SC Magazine says, page title, URL, refer, Shockwave Flash version, user language, monitor resolution, and host IP address. Core Security reports multiple vulnerabilities in Lenovo's Share IT product. Lenovo's now patched them. Some vulnerabilities involved an easily guessed default Wi-Fi password. That password was 12345678. Other vendors have seen comparable problems with Wi-Fi passwords. 
Sophos reports Wi-Fi security issues with home routers and smart doorbells. Businesses wonder whether cybercrime will increasingly come to be regarded as a cost of doing business, the way retailers regard predictable inventory shrinkage. U.S. hamburger chain Wendy's is investigating a possible pay card breach that might well be seen as a risk comparable to shrinkage. But it's hard to take that view of the large losses fraudulent fund transfers impose. Belgium's Crelon Bank reports losing 70 million euros, that's nearly 76 million dollars, to a business email compromise scam. Such scams operate by gaining executive credentials, observing behavior on a targeted network, and then sending plausible-looking emails instructing employees to transfer money to an account controlled by the criminals. In industry news, Her Majesty's government continues to push programs that would support incubation of British cybersecurity startups. ThreatStream makes a case for hanging out in the creepier precincts of the dark web with a view to doping out cybercriminals' next move. They also tell V3 how they keep an eye out for data stolen from customers, often the first indication that a customer's been compromised. The CyberWire spoke with threat intelligence company ThreatConnect about how understanding the threat can help enterprise security. If you can gain an understanding of the threats or adversaries uh, that wish to do harm to your network and through various means and for various reasons, that you can better defend against them at not just that tactical level of matching in the sim, but you can also understand the adversaries better, grow your understanding of them so that you can better place your defenses to their capabilities and better predict or be better positioned to react to their capabilities as well. That's ThreatConnect's Andy Pendergast. ThreatConnect recently launched a new version of their platform. You can learn more at ThreatConnect.com. In policy news, France moves to gain more investigative access to data held in foreign servers. U.S. state legislatures, notably those in New York and California, continue to moot restrictions on smartphone encryption. Wired says these proposed encryption bans make zero sense because of cyberspace's inherent lack of borders. Quote, an idea roughly as practical as policing undocumented birds crossing the Mexican border. End quote. But about the larger effect such gestures could have, we don't know. Migratory bird policing aside, state laws, whether well-conceived or ill-conceived, have played an outsized role in American policy development in the past. Consider the role of California law, indeed of Los Angeles County law, in shaping automotive environmental standards, or the place Delaware occupies in business law. So, good ideas, bad ideas, or just politicians posturing, what goes on in the state houses isn't necessarily just for the birds. And now, a word from our sponsor, Zscaler, the leader in cloud security. Cyber attackers are using AI in creative ways to compromise users and breach organizations. In a security landscape where you must fight AI with AI, the best AI protection comes from having the best data. Zscaler has extended its zero-trust architecture with powerful AI engines that are trained and tuned by 500 trillion daily signals. Learn more about Zscaler Zero Trust plus AI to prevent ransomware and AI attacks. Experience your world secured. Visit zscaler.com slash zero trust AI. Are lengthy security reviews pulling attention away from your security program? 
With the largest network of trust centers, Vanta can help you streamline security reviews to win customer trust, save time, and close deals fast. Proactively demonstrate security by showcasing key resources like your SOC 2 or ISO 27001 and provide real-time evidence for passing controls. And when a security questionnaire is required, Vanta takes the first pass for you. Visit vanta.com slash cyber to take a self-serve tour. That's vanta.com slash cyber. Once again, joining me is Marcus Roshecker, Cybersecurity Program Manager at the University of Maryland Center for Health and Homeland Security. They are one of our academic and research partners. Marcus, cyber warfare, with the situation uh, recently in Ukraine, uh, with uh, their power grid being attacked, the question comes up, is that a incident of cyber warfare? Well, that's a really important question, um, and it's not one that's easily answered. Uh, what constitutes an act of war in cyberspace? What constitutes use of force in cyberspace? Um, it always seems to depend on who's asking question and who's answering the question. In the real world, in the physical world, I think it's very easy to determine what constitutes the use of force and what might even amount to an act of war. But when we're talking cyberspace, uh, it's a lot more difficult. When we don't have any physical consequences from a cyber attack, I think generally experts would agree that we haven't seen an act of war or what would amount to an act of war um, or a use of force even um, when it comes to cyberspace. But in the instance of the Ukraine, um, we did see some physical consequences resulting from a cyber attack. An argument could be made that uh, this was a use of force and potentially even an act of war. But that's something that legal experts and international experts are going to be debating. And in the cyberspace, I mean, it's even harder to know uh, often who is the pro- who is the party attacking us. Exactly. That's what makes uh, cyber warfare so difficult. Because there's this whole problem of attribution. Uh, again, in the real world, it's pretty easy to see who's attacking you. Uh, when you see the troops crossing the border or the planes coming into your airspace, but in cyberspace, it's often very difficult to determine accurately who is doing the cyber attack and where it's coming from and who's behind it. And where does international law stand on this? Have, has it caught up to cyber warfare? Well, there's been a lot of discussion about uh, among international law experts when it comes to cyber war- warfare. We have seen that uh, international legal experts uh, are applying existing law like the United Nations Charter to cyberspace. Uh, There's a general agreement that uh, international law does apply to cyberspace. And then you have other legal experts um, who've gotten together to create documents like the Tallinn Manual, uh, which kind of outline how these legal experts uh, see the international law applying to cyberspace and how Uh, international law applies to cyber warfare. All right, Marcus Rosschecker, thanks for joining us. Struggling to secure on-prem apps with modern identity? Don't worry, you're not alone. 
Join industry leaders from Fortune 500 organizations to secure your apps on any cloud with any IDP, regardless of your environment's complexity. Meet Strata's identity orchestration platform, Mavericks. Say goodbye to the headaches of app refactoring and legacy tech debt. With identity orchestration, you can modernize legacy apps to use MFA or passwordless authentication in a few weeks, migrate from one IDP to another, and so much more without changing the app. No matter your IAM use case, Strata extends the value of your current identity investments. And the best part? You can try it for free today. Visit strata.io slash cyberwire to share your biggest identity challenge, and they'll hook you up with a complimentary pair of AirPods Pro. Don't miss out. Visit strata.io slash cyberwire. That's strata.io slash cyberwire. And that's the Cyberwire. We are proudly produced in Maryland by our talented team of editors and producers. I'm Dave Bittner. Thanks for listening. Hey all, Rick here. At N2K Cyberwire, we're dedicated to continuously improving the quality of the news and commentary on our network. That's why we're inviting you to participate in our 2024 audience survey. It only takes a few minutes, and your feedback is invaluable. Plus, you'll have the chance to win a $100 Amazon gift card as a thank you for your time. Head on over to cyberwire.com survey. That's cyberwire.com survey to share your feedback now.